Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. It's National Reconciliation Week, which kicked off with National Sorry Day last Wednesday. But do you know who we're saying sorry to or why? If you think it's to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders of the past who suffered through racist and damaging government policy, you're only partly right, because some of those people are still here, still trying to heal from the scars a colonial government policy left behind. Today, we find out where the children of the stolen generation are today and what impact it's had on not just their lives, but the lives of all that have followed. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners are advised that the following episode of The Quickie may contain the voices of people who have died and may contain stories that some find triggering. If you're struggling with issues and need someone to talk to, make sure you reach out to the team at Lifeline 13 11 14. Stolen from Royal Women's Hospital and raised in an institution in Melbourne, Box Hill. And the program in there, besides the sexual abuse and the unusual punishments, was to dissuade me, the lone Aboriginal, registered Aboriginal in that Box Hill boys' home, to be persuaded against any sense of his Aboriginality. So I was a lost child for many years. I started to behave like a, uh, well, not a gangster. I never confronted anybody. But you would make wrong choices so very easily. It's very hard to heal oneself from these policies of the past and the policies that are now developing. I've tried my damnedest to find out who I was, but at every turn, like just before I left the home, A group of Aboriginal kids came in, my first sighting of other Aboriginal kids. It was the Edwards brothers, Kutcher Edwards amongst them. But one young fella amongst them, Arthur, said his last name's Charles, and I could recall saying to him, wouldn't it be funny if we were brothers, mate? Years later, I get to find out that indeed that Arthur at Box Hill Boys' home was indeed my brother, and those two girls were my sisters. And indeed, the Kutcher, Edwards brothers, were my mum's sister's kids. The stolen generation are still with us. They're even on our screens, like Wolf Creek and Cleverman star Jack Charles. They may not have understood the impact that the interruption to their young lives may have had on them until later in life, like Auntie Lorraine Peters, who created the Maramali Journey of Healing model and Maramali program. The trauma from... um being brought up in the home can take a lifetime to heal from. I didn't trigger into trauma until I was 54 years of age. Not knowing what it was, nobody tells you to, this is what's going to happen to you. I didn't know how to handle it really. 
neither did the psychiatrist that I went to. He didn't know what to do about it either. If you're like me, though, in your early 40s or older, you were alive at the same time as Australian government policy that forcibly removed Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children from their families. It's estimated that one in three Indigenous children were separated from their families in the decades between 1910 and the 1970s, a group we now refer to as the Stolen Generation. There's argument that the Stolen Generations haven't actually stopped, though, with statistics showing a high percentage of First Nations children currently in foster care. 40% of those are not with Indigenous families. Those past government policies, both at a state and federal level, saw authorities, in most cases the police, take children, often by force, placing them into homes or with white families in a practice known as assimilation. As we now know, that separation created a trauma and grief that has been passed down through the generations. Those children losing their connection not just to family, but to culture, their language and to country. Some of the children taken to those homes were abused, some put to work. Some say they didn't receive another ounce of love or support from that point on in their lives. The nuns running the homes, not known for being affectionate or hugging the little ones in their care. Those children grew up finding it difficult to create meaningful connections with others aside from those who shared their experience. The continued disconnection from family and community created a cycle of trauma that's then handed down to the next generation who also experienced the disconnection from family, language, culture and country. Those babies and little children starved of the love of family at times also found it hard to show love to their own children. The pain and grief of a life devoid of loving contact then passed on to the next generation. Fiona Cornforth is the CEO of the Healing Foundation, a descendant of the Wurti people of far northeast Cape of Queensland, with family connection also in the Torres Strait. She has an extensive background working as part of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people's community, business and government initiatives for better outcome and impact. Fiona, the Stolen Generation aren't some piece of history, an event that happened a long time ago. Their stories are still well and truly alive today, aren't they? Absolutely. The event happened, the forced removal happened over many decades in the past, but the impacts are still unaddressed and carry across generations today. Can you explain how that intergenerational trauma works? There's going to be people who say, if it happened to your mum and dad, it didn't happen to you, then why are you carrying around the guilt and the pain associated with that? Can you explain how that's happening? I always start by saying that trauma is a human experience and the experiences of trauma associated with the events that happened to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, like the forced removal of children from loving and nurturing families, that will cause any human being to be in a state of distress more often than to operate or function from a place of strength. And so what the human body does in response is usually we're ruled by fight, flight or freeze. Our central nervous system does that to us to protect us. So if I'm in a place of strength, I can see all possibilities and opportunities and options and choices. I'm completely aware of everything in front of me to choose from. But if I'm in a place of distress, I can only see fight, flight or freeze. And there are so many systems that our peoples, we have to interact with every day that perpetuate trauma, unfortunately, and re-trigger those feelings, those experiences of trauma, like the justice system, 
the education settings and health settings. So again, our opportunities and our possibilities are reduced to that fight, flight or freeze. And to protect ourselves and our families, we're less likely to encourage our families to interact with those systems. Do you think you could accurately sum up the experience of those children who were taken from their families? I know some of them ended up in different places with different people, so it can't all be the same. But in a sense of what it was to be Aboriginal at that time or Torres Strait Islander, what were those young people told about their Aboriginality or about their culture? Were they told anything or were they actively just told to ignore it? What was that policy doing to those children? They were told that they had to change. They were abused and punished for speaking language. They were often separated from their brothers and sisters. They were prevented from practicing culture. They were told their families didn't want them anymore. The idea was that our cultures or the way our being, knowing and doing were inferior and weren't civilised compared to the dominant race and cultures at the time. So they suffered a lot of abuse, a lot of rejection. They weren't loved. There was no nurturing. And we hear many stories from survivors who have reconnected, who were lied to about being given up and have reconnected with loving families. Speaking of that reconnection, how difficult is that for someone in that situation? We often hear stories of people who are adopted and they find it very difficult to track down birth parents. Is it incredibly difficult to do in these situations where children were forcibly removed from their homes? Are records kept at that time? Have people been able to find their mobs? Yeah, it's a really important question because the records that were kept at the time weren't kept for the benefit of survivors and for linking up families in the future. They were kept for a very different reason. And so there are puzzle pieces that are often never found. The puzzle is often incomplete. There's a lot of important oral history that's passing along with our ageing, people who are dying younger than the rest of the population. And so every time a survivor finds something, And I do want to acknowledge the incredible work of link-ups and stolen generations organisations in finding people and records and archives because it is a miracle every time a puzzle piece is found. Now, I was reading some pretty alarming statistics about the lives of some of these people now from the stolen generation, and one of those is that I think it's somewhere near 79% of those over 50 rely on government payments to survive because finding work for them has been difficult with the trauma that they have experienced in their lives. How do we better help those people adjust to that limbo life that they have between having been brought up white and not being able to connect with the black side of their lives? It's really tricky. What we know from working alongside survivors and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities is that There is such generosity shown for survivors and there's collective healing that happens where contemporary ways of practising culture are afforded to survivors wherever they happen to live right now so that, you know, they can be on their healing journey and feel of those safe and those elements of safety from our culture that always have and always will be there. Fiona, all the literature says that 
the Stolen Generations policies finished in the 1970s, but did it really finish? There are still children being taken from their homes now, right? Yeah, there are. The testimonies of survivors back, you know, 24 years ago when the Bringing Them Home report was tabled in Parliament, those testimonies warned of a new generation where, you know, the trauma would continue to manifest and, you know, they forewarned of these gaps that we're so desperately trying to close now. And so for 24 years to go on and we see the rates of removal now, it's providing a experiences of contemporary trauma, but it's completely connected or linked to our experiences of historical trauma that are unresolved and unaddressed. We know from working alongside communities, from working in the sectors and our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community-controlled organisations that lead and do the heavy lifting in this space that our children have to stay with family. They have to stay connected to culture and our systems have to be redesigned so that that can happen. Fiona, just finally, it is Reconciliation Week. The theme this year is that it's more than a word. Reconciliation takes action. There's going to be a lot of people whose lives are not in the slightest impacted by stolen generations, by the experience of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in this country what action can we ask of them to take so that they can truly understand this experience and be part of the solution? We're in an unprecedented time where action informed by healing and trauma awareness, you know, it's in the palm of our hands, literally. We have so many more resources than we once did about what effective healing looks like. I would encourage every individual to just have a look at where you work, your workforce, your sector, the system you're a part of and see what you can do to change things so that it's an equity approach. It's not diversity or inclusion. It's it's an equity approach we need. We need the changing of attitudes and behaviours that help everyday survivors and their families to heal and to manage and cope on the trauma we experience a little better so we can be operating more from a place of strength more often than we operate from a place of distress. While we've heard stories from those who survived the Australian government policy of forced assimilation, it's not up to them to continually relieve their trauma for the benefit of our understanding. It's up to us to educate ourselves and reconcile with the history of this country, the stolen generation being just one piece of that history. But reconciliation isn't work that needs to be done by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people for them to be okay with what happened to them and their ancestors. Their work is to heal. Reconciliation is work that we need to do, whether you're descended from the colonisers of this country or came here more recently. The history of Australia belongs to us all. The good, the bad, and the very ugly. As Fiona mentioned, we need to look at our own situations and see how we can make it a fairer place for everyone, an equitable workplace, organisation or system. Does your workplace have a reconciliation action plan? If not, find out what that is and get started. Stop the jokes and the blatant racism and start calling it out when you see it. The standard you walk past is the standard you accept. Be culturally aware. Know what's acceptable and what isn't. Ask for your workplace to undertake awareness training if that's possible. Be mindful that as you celebrate things like Australia Day, you're also acknowledging Invasion Day, the day which started the decline of Aboriginal culture and the loss of many families. 
Know what country you were born on, what country you stand on today, and know its story. Support things like the Uluru Statement of the Heart, or any initiative that allows First Nations people to take control of their own situations and make decisions that will allow them to move forward and heal. Their voices need to be heard. Also be aware that not all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders are in 100% agreement as to what this looks like, but it could be treaty, constitutional recognition, or something else. There are many, many things you can do in order to start us down the path to reconciliation. If you start today, imagine how far you'll be by Reconciliation Week 2022. For Auntie Lorraine, she says she's found her family. The girls that I grew up with are my family. They're my sisters. We stick together and try and spend as much time together as we can. We're scattered all over the country, but try to come together ourselves. But that her journey to healing continues. The best part of healing is being with other people that went through the same thing and trauma that you went through. And can I say that that's what we talk about when we get together. It's about collective healing. So important for institutionalised people. You don't have to tell or explain your story to anybody. We just know what each other's gone through. So if governments only listen to survivors and their needs about coming together and healing as one, rather than individually healing, it doesn't work for us. That's the quickie for today. This episode was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Siobhan Moran-McFarlane. Audio production by Ian Camilleri. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.